Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Greetings, everyone. Greetings, everyone. Greetings, Central Florida. It is the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming to you live inside of our studios of WNSC. Myself and, of course, my ride, my ride partner, Michael Gray out there in Virginia. And, uh, Mike, it's it's always a pleasure to have you back. Always, always a pleasure to be back, brother. You know, this is great what we do. It's, it's something we love to do, and I'm just glad to be here. We can ever do it with you, brother. Definitely there, uh, Michael Gray and Sebi on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. There's a lot of things that's been going on. Obviously, the NBA. $110 million extension today. And, of course, training camp in the NFL has been swinging for sure. But um, there's a lot of things to talk about. And much like you said, Mike, this is probably the best time of the year for sure. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. You know, all the moves being made is still training camp. Teams are starting to find themselves and figure 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 out each other. And, um, you know, NBA offseason, of course, it's, we got summer league, uh, you know, Dykeman League, Goodman League, you know, all, all the different types of summer leagues we have. Rico. WNBA All-Star Game, there's a lot in the sports world. For sure, for sure. WNBA is doing their thing with the All-Star Game. They're in midseason. It's a great time right now, for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. No doubt at all. And so with that being said, we've got a lot to talk about. And we're going to dive in real quick and talk about the NBA real quick. But our opening segment today, guys, is proud and presented by GEICO. That's right. Our friends here at the Central Florida area says that you don't have to be smart. You can even be a gecko. But even a gecko knows that 15 minutes can save you 15% on your car insurance. That's right. GEICO, gecko. Auto insurance, life insurance. If you're in the Central Florida area and you want to get some type of insurance, make sure you check out Geico. And oh, by the way, tell them Sevy for the Sevy Podcast Radio Show sent you. And Mike, um, we've got a special guest with us this evening to kind of dissect what the NBA is. Um, his name is Luca. We're, we're not sure if who's, who's more popular. Is it Luca Doncic or Luca Rosano? But that's his name. <laughs> I, I consider him Mr. Toronto since Kawhi Leonard has departed. With that being said, we're pleased to have Mr. Luca Rosano on the show with us. Luca, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Sebi and Michael? Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me on. No problem. No problem, no problem there. So, so who who is uh who is more popular? Is it Luca Rosano or Luca Doncic? Like uh, I know you get a lot of comparisons, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, you know what? It's funny because when I was younger, I always wanted to uh, play in the NBA. So uh, I'm happy that at least the one Luca got to make it to the NBA. That is Doncic. So I got to give the slight edge to him on the court. But if we're talking off court, I think uh, I think I got to give myself the benefit of the doubt there. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt there. One thing for sure, we know that the name Luca weighs a lot of power for sure. And so um, it, it talk to us. I mean, you know, there wasn't a day throughout these NBA playoffs, especially on social media or uh, throughout your YouTube streams. Uh, by the way, uh, listeners, you got to check this guy out. Luca Rosano, the Waterboy Report. 
it's 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 unbelievable what he does and so all the content you you were doing throughout that finals run for the Toronto Raptors uh, talk to us about that and, and the experience yeah it was remarkable I mean if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that the Raptors would a be in the NBA finals and then b actually win the whole thing I wouldn't have believed you given the circumstances I mean it was just a phenomenal wild ride uh, you know, right from the first round with uh, playing Orlando and kind of uh, going into that epic second round playoff series against the Sixers, then the, the, the quadruple bounce going our way, sending us to the conference finals, then being down 0-2 against the Bucks, everybody writing us off there and then winning four in a row. And then we, of course, know what happened with the Warriors with, uh, you know, obviously KD uh, going down and then Clay going down and that still being one of the better NBA finals in recent memory. And then uh, ultimately, you know, the Raptors were able to prevail. Um, I can't even put into words what it, it felt like and what it meant to the city. I mean, you guys know Toronto isn't necessarily at the apex when it when it comes to winning championships. This was our first major championship <laughs> since the Jays in 93. That's first right. ever major championship. I win this because I wasn't even born when the Jays last won. Um, so it's been a while to say the least. So uh, definite excitement in the air everybody soaked in the moment everybody just enjoyed the ride and then as we all found out just a couple short weeks later you know that kind of that buzz kind of faded a lot with Kawhi Leonard's departure Um, but all in all successful season the trade for DeRozan paid off and then some and uh, you know we can we can call ourselves champions uh, at the end of a, a really wild season here in Toronto. Definitely there, definitely there. So uh, we, we, I understand that, you know, that, I mean, of course it helps if you have Kawhi Leonard. I, I've told Mike, and we've had discussions about this, I think he's the best player in the world. Um, you know, others may consider LeBron James or Kevin Durant uh, for that title. But um, talk to us about, because I know you went to some of the games in the finals. Uh, talk to us about that experience. Because oh, I'm assuming that, you know, Jurassic Park and just that environment must have been electric. Um, for a venue like that yeah just to put into perspective Jurassic Park there were people waiting 48 hours before tip-off standing in line through the rain just to be in a barricaded area where they have the big screen outside of the arena and I was blessed enough to uh, go to two games inside of the arena and it was just electric I mean the fans singing the national anthem Everybody hyped up, everybody ready to go. You got the the champs at the time and the Warriors coming into your building. It was it was such a surreal moment. And uh, to what you just said a minute ago, Sebi, I couldn't agree more. Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the world today, in my opinion, as well. And just seeing him uh, take over, particularly um, uh, it was the game five when actually uh, the Raptors had a chance to win the championship on their home court. Kawhi Leonard literally took control of the game in the closing He had a personal 10-0 run, my, uh, it, uh, Luca. A he had a personal 10-0 run. It looked like everything was going to go our way. It looked like we are going to win the championship on our home court. Then, inexplicably, uh, Nick Nurse calls that time out, which just changed the dynamic, changed the momentum of the game. But Kawhi, just to see him up and close live, what he was able to do in those circumstances, you know, pressure-packed moment, got an entire country watching with anticipation – 
uh, it, it's something I'll never, 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 never forget. And fortunately for us, I know we're, we weren't able to close it in game five, and we obviously got it in six. Um, yeah, those, those finals games, just being there, seeing the American uh, media outlets uh, there as well. Uh, I had a chance to see Stephen A. Smith, my boy, um, you know, doing his coverage and, uh, and the rest <laughs> of the ESPN staff and crew. It, it was electric, honestly. Like, it, it's something that the city literally never saw ever. Uh, as it pertains to basketball and uh, being a diehard basketball fan from Toronto, it, it was really a dream come true of everything coming together. For sure, there, uh, Sebi Podcast Radio Show, Luca Rosano from the Water Bowl Report as our guest today. Mike, you can go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, uh, ask you, Luca, how how did you, along with you know the, the people around the city of Toronto, feel about Kawhi Leonard leaving after bringing home and bringing the championship back to Toronto? Yeah, that's a really good question, uh, Mike. Um, you know what? It, it was bittersweet. Uh, a lot of fans are still hung up on the decision, but a lot of fans understand the fact that this dude brought us a championship. Like, he gave us the ultimatum. So you can't be mad at him for his decision. You can be sad, most definitely, because I was sad. Uh, I still am sad that he's not, no longer with the Raptors, but you can't be mad because at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard, we know his character. He's a family guy. He just wanted to go back home. He wanted to, you know, play basketball in front of his family and friends. He wanted to go back to that warm weather because we all know Toronto is very, very cold, especially during the winter months. Um, so, you know what? It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't like a hostile type of, uh, you know, reaction. Uh, we're not going to boo the guy when he comes back here because, like, how can you? He got the job done. He delivered on the ultimate prize. And if right. he wants to go play basketball in L.A., like, so be it, right? So, personally speaking, uh, yeah, I was sad, but I'm not mad. Uh, but I was shocked, too, just the way it transpired because uh, I wasn't shocked that he went to the Clippers. I was just shocked how he went to the Clippers. And that's, of course, uh, you know, uh, having Paul George join him. I mean, not a lot of people saw that coming. No, for sure, for sure. You're absolutely right. And I, I already I already anticipate big things for him in L.A. I have, oh, one of my other questions I have for you was, where do you see the Toronto Raptors, like, moving forward now that Kawhi is not there? Like, I, I know they, they just, they just uh, re-signed Marcus All. You know, they still have Kyle Lowry. You know, uh, guys like Fred Van Vliet, who will, who will be you will, I, I trust The development I believe, of Siakam. I believe right? he will be getting paid soon. You know, they still have Pascal Siakam. You know, guys of that nature. So, where, where do you see the Toronto Raptors in the near future? Yeah, it's a very interesting situation in Toronto because you just uh, named a couple players. On paper right now, um, and given kind of the structure of the East, the Raptors are still a playoff team. You know, they still yeah. got guys who mm -hmm. can go out and win games. They still have that uh, that chemistry as a championship team. I know you eliminated Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard, but other than that, you pretty much have the same unit that just won a championship. So I expect them to be competitive. Uh, I expect them to be, you know, uh, a tough opponent. I expect them to be the fourth, even fifth seed in the East. But with that being said, um, it could be a completely different look Raptors team by the end of the season. Because let's just say this team fumbles out of the gate. Uh, they go through a mini skid, a mini slide. I can see some of those guys you just mentioned in a Gasol, a Baca, and Lowry then be traded to contending teams at the deadline. And the Raptors just letting go of those guys who pretty much, uh, you know, it's the, the, the big sum of all of our big uh, heavy-duty contracts in Toronto and then officially turning the page on, you know, the rebuild. Um, but, I mean, if things go well and this team is, is playing great out of the gate, I can really see the Raptors uh, obviously make the playoffs and even win a round with the team they have right now. Definitely there. The Toronto Raptors, with the absence of Kawhi Leonard in regular season, most people don't know, 17-5. and five. 
in those 22 games that he missed. Luca Rosano on the waterboard report with us on the hotline. So now, we, you know, it's a new chapter for Kawhi Leonard. He shift gears to uh, Los Angeles. He was born um, in, you know, himself and Paul George are, are from just outside of Southside Los Angeles. They wanted to be buddies and play friends. So now when you look at the landscape of, of, of the Western Conference that they're in right now, You've got them as contenders. We we expect the Lakers to be in contention as well. The Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers are still intact with their nucleus. What's your view of of the Western Conference now with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you know, united joining forces out there in the Western Conference? Oh man, it's going to be a battle royal. I mean, I love the direction of uh, not only the West but just the NBA this past off season. I mean, that's why the NBA off season. I know some people hate it, but that's why. You got to love it. I mean, just so many different things going on. So many, uh, you know, new faces in different places. Uh, it's, it's, it, it really is the era now of the dynamic duo. We kind of transitioned from the era of the big three now to the dynamic duo. Uh, the West is interesting because the West is uh, very, very tight and tough. I mean, you got the Clippers. You got the Lakers who are going to be gunning it out with their new look squads. You still got to respect the Golden State Warriors. I mean, surprise. Like, they're still there. I know uh, KD's not there anymore. I know Clay's going to miss the regular season. But they got D'Angelo Russell. That guy was balling all a season ago. Then all of a sudden, you make it to the playoffs. Clay's back. That's a team you can't sleep on. And I think a lot of people have been sleeping on them. Uh, Houston got that much better. Uh, you know, uh, you got rid of Chris Paul for pretty much, uh, you know, a younger, more athletic point guard in Russell Westbrook. And of course, those two guys uh, are familiar with one another playing in OKC. Uh, like you said, uh, Sebi, the Blazers are still going to be there. You're going to have the Nuggets with a year under their belt. And then you're going to have like teams that I look at that are going to be interesting projects like the Pelicans who got a ton of great young players to look forward to. You're going to have the Sacramento Kings, who were knocking on the playoff door last season. You're going to have the Mavericks now with uh, Przingis going to be in the fold there with uh, Luka Doncic. I mean, the West is going to be very tough. It's going to be competitive. Uh, and it is, it, it is definitely, uh, you know, head and shoulders better than the East right now. Definitely there. It's going to be a very interesting season in the NBA. Uh, this is a game that we like to do with a lot of our guests here. I, I know that you're not only a native, you are a native actually of Toronto, but also a fan of the NBA and, and covered the landscape as well. And so um, we're going to click the bell here real quick for you. And so we're going <laughs> to go ahead and um, ask you some few quick questions here. So uh, tell us a guy that's in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference that Nobody's talking about that's really going to make a name for themselves this uh, coming season. Ooh, that is a really good question. Okay, so East and West. Um, ooh, that's tough. Okay, I'm going to go uh, in the West. I'm going to go with a guy uh, I actually loved since he came in college. I know he kind of jumped onto the scene uh, last season. I'm going to go with Buddy Heald. I think this guy, mm -hmm. you know, he's mm – -hmm. uh, he, he, like he, he's that guy that you, you know you could put in in pressure pack moments. He's a baller. He's gonna ball out and he's gonna go get his. And I just feel like uh, you know he's gonna blossom, continue to blossom in that Sacramento system. And he's gonna be called upon to be one of the main guys there uh, with, of course, Fox in the backcourt. So yeah, I look for Buddy Heal to take his game to the next level. I I really do think that uh, you know we're gonna be calling him an All Star one day. So I, I think he's gonna continue to elevate his game. And then uh, in the Eastern Conference, that's tough. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, one of my own. 
Uh, I'm going to be a little bit biased here, but I'm going to go with one of my own with OG Ananobi. I really think this kid is going to take his game to the next level. Now that Kawhi Leonard is out of town, uh, I think OG Ananobi will, uh, you know, fit in nicely as the Raptors' main wing, main small forward. And having studied Kawhi, uh, from the sidelines and kind of model his game and look at what he did in those pressure-packed moments. I really think it's going to uh, have a positive benefit on, on Ananobi. And I really think Ananobi could be up there when talking about the most improved player of the year uh, going into next season. Awesome, awesome here. And last question here from you, uh, from both respective conferences. Any dark horse, any teams that we're overlooking and not talking about that, um, you know, perhaps made the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs uh, last year that – you think that's really going to burst into the scene this season? Yeah, so we're going to start with the West. I really love the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I think they're going to be on the door, on the fringe of making the playoffs. Um, and then uh, just to add another one very quickly, I really like the Pelicans as well. Uh, just looking at the haul they got for uh, Anthony Davis I, and uh, that in, in, in conjunction to Zion Williamson, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. I think the, Pelican, the Pelicans are going to be a good team. That uh, you know that are gonna uh, um, exceed expectations um, and kind of uh, you know do some good things going into next season. And then uh, in the Eastern Conference, that is going to be interesting. In the East, um, you know what I mean? Indiana, I think, is going to be uh, a team mm. that uh, is going to make mm. some noise. I think once Victor Oladipo comes back, I believe he's going to be coming back in 2020. I think Indiana is going to be one of those teams that uh, a lot of people have forgotten about that could make, uh, you know, an improbable run to even a conference final. So uh, I like the young players they got there. Obviously, Turner, Sabonis, and then Victor Oladipo added to the mix. I'm going to go with Indiana in the East. And we additions of Malcolm Brogdon as well. Yes, that's – yeah. And and Danny Lamb, right? Yeah, yeah. Brogdon was a big one. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Brogdon was a big one. Definitely there. Uh, Luca Rosano – Definitely one of the best in, in, in the business for sure. Um, and, and continue what you're doing with all of the Toronto content to the Raptors, uh, to uh, Canada in general. And, and of course, giving us the insight content in the NBA. Uh, lastly, here before we let you go, Luca, uh, tell some of our listeners here where they can where they can find you. Yeah, uh, thanks so much, guys, for having me on. Uh, you guys do a great job over there at the Sevi Podcast. Uh, the listeners can uh, find me uh, at the Waterboard Report uh, YouTube channel. That is uh, mainly where I post my content. I do. Uh, I, I try to, you know, have three new videos up every week. And then when the season starts, I do live streams. I know Sebi was in some of my live streams uh, this past season. But YouTube is the Waterboard Report. And on Instagram, uh, that is at Luca Rosano. Uh, anytime you guys want to talk ball, my DMs are always open. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. No problem, no, man. Thanks Mr. Luca Rosano, definitely a true MC in the basketball industry, in the basketball game. And, of course, I urge everyone to go ahead and check out some of his content because it's it's absolutely unprecedented. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, right here from inside the studios of WNSC. When we come back, Mike and I will shift gears. We'll go to the NFL where all things are swinging. All 32 teams are already, you know, swinging bats and injuries. Guys getting paid. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Hello, my name is Ian Saunders with Saunders Property Group powered by Home Expo Realty. 
I'm a sponsor, proud sponsor, and a big fan of the SEBI podcast show. Make sure you tune in. Just wanted to share uh, a few nuggets with you about the Central Florida real estate market. Uh, Population growth is about 7%, which is among the top in the country, especially here in Central Florida. And I got news for you. If you're a renter, average rent is about $1,600 a month. What if I told you you can purchase a home, a $200,000 home, and pay less than that? Well, we can show you how. Uh, Just wanted to be sure that you guys understand that at this point, interest rates have dropped to a 10-month low, so that means the money is cheap and you get more bang for your buck. So if you're looking to learn more, definitely touch bases with me. Definitely tune in to Sebi Podcast Show. And in fact, hashtag Sebi Podcast Show, and I'll help you get lender credits, pay off your closing costs. Hey, thanks for your time. Have a good one. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, myself and Michael Gray, back here on the hotline here. That was a great a great interview uh, with, with Luca Rosano there. I, I don't know if you've checked him out, Mike, but I mean, by far one of the great humanitarians in, in this industry. And, and he knows his, he knows his, he knows his ball. I, I can't deny that for sure. Yeah, that's dope. It was it was great hearing them talk as well. You know, I like I like hearing from all the people from Toronto that, you know, coming off that championship and how they felt in the first time. For the Raptors and a lot of for a lot of for like you said for a lot of them, it was the first time that they've ever witnessed the championship one in their city. So I like hearing inspired people like that. And yeah, he he sounds he sounds like a cool dude. I, I definitely want want to have more conversations with him in the future. Definitely, there, Luca Rosano, man. Could you believe that the Raptors haven't? I mean, the Toronto itself hasn't won a chip since '93 until this year, when the Toronto Raptors improbable postseason run in the NBA. Right. This season, for sure. So uh, we shift gears now to the NFL. Mike, there's been a lot of stuff going on. I mean, from holdouts continuing to Trent Williams from your area in the DMV area holding out to guys like Ezekiel Elliott. All of a sudden now he's training in Mexico and hanging out there in Cancun to others. Melvin Gordon holding out. Uh, but there's some that's gotten paid as well. Um, you know, the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. Well-deserved for him. And of course, Kevin Byard, who led the interse- the league in interceptions a year ago, eight of them. He is now the highest paid safety in the NFL as well. And so, your thoughts right now going into training camp? Anything that stood out to you thus far? Oh, it's, a, it's a few things actually. One, one. Excuse me. One of the things was um, the Washington Redskins training camp. They um, one of the key one of the things that's held the Washington Redskins back over the last few years has been injuries. Because outside of injuries, that's the talent that they have on paper can get them to should like should help with them win ball games. They just haven't been consistent enough, and and they they continue to get hit with the injury bug year after year after year. You know, uh, this year they already got hit with Ruben Foster getting hurt, but just out there, just just watching the 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 talent and the that that's out there on display on not only just on the defensive side but offensively as well. This is a this is a very good football team, and they are. They're a very good football team, and you know the offensive line struggled for the first few days. They the, the defense the defensive line was just absolutely dominating them. Then come Sunday, you know they, they Sunday the offensive line had a great game, had a had a great day. 
um, for training camp. And then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just improving. They, they just signed today. They just signed Donald Penn um, the, the, for, for, the, for their tackle spot. I, I made Trent Williams continue to hold out, you know, with Trent Williams holding out, it's deeper than just for money. You know, he he really doesn't have a good relationship with the the medical staff, and you know, it's 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 deeper than just holding out to get a, get big get more money. It's um you know I I, I wonder whether or not he's going to come back to that organization, whether or not he's going to play. We'll see. Only time will tell. But that's one of the more intriguing things. Another intriguing thing. I got it. I'm biased. I got to come back to the New York Giants. Uh, that's where I was going, it was, Mike. It was it was it was like literally in the blink of an eye. Training camp started Wednesday and Thursday. Literally by Friday or Saturday, I found out that three, three of our three of our top receivers are hurt. Right. Corey Coleman tore his ACL. Sterling Shepard uh, hurt, messed up his ankle. We don't know how long how long he's going to be out. Um, and then Golden Tate gets caught with a with a banned substance, and he has to be suspended for four games. He's going to appeal it. We don't know if it's going to come through yet. He's still appealing it, but it, right now it looks like he's going to be missing out for four games, and it's just like wow, like it's. It, it already what can go wrong will for, go wrong for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, for a team for a team that was already in rebuild mode and didn't ha- and didn't have much high expectations coming into this season anyway, to see them get hit with the injury bug to their top three receivers, that which doesn't help Eli Manning at all, you know, and, and his and his and his and him trying to you know come back and prove that he's still one still a, a very good quarterback. It doesn't help him at all right now, and just seeing that seeing that makes me think that they that they they might be worse than what I anticipated. Right, exactly, definitely there, and and it's funny because we're talking about all these teams, and they're all in one division. They're all in the NFC East, and definitely it has to be bad for the Giants because, you know, a couple of weeks ago we did our players that were in a hot seat, and Eli Manning was right in the thick of of the discussion, and we thought this year, you know, he needed to kind of change the narrative that hey, like you're not the same Eli that you know led the league in three different years in interceptions we, he wanted to revert himself as the two-time Super Bowl MVP Eli well now you've got receivers banged up with Corey Coleman ACL much like you said to the illegal substance found with Golden Tate right. and, and and all this stuff so who's Eli gonna throw to now already in a make it or break it season Evan Ingram is that their only receiver uh, maybe uh, I know Barkley can catch passes out of the backfield but you have to think that you know Pat Shermer right now, who's himself in a hot seat as well, they're going to have to figure out something because moving into this season, maybe in the first four or five weeks, Eli is, you already got a, a makeshift offensive line. You, you got no receivers. Your receiving core is banged up. And, you know, Saquon Barkley can only do so much. So it's going to be very interesting in that New York market dealing with the gang blue. And then when you talk about your Redskins, man, I mean, you, no, you know what this you, you you know what what this uh Trent Williams uh deal reminds me of my yeah. man it, it reminds me of the whole Kawhi saga in in San Antonio uh, you know with the medical staff you know yeah. Trent Williams I mean one of the premier you know tackles in in the, in in football if not one of the best and he's been there for years he's been steady at that position he, he, I mean you kind of consider him the guy that covers your quarterback's blind side he has been steady for all these years multiple time pro bowler and yet he's gotten injured and you would think the staff would take care of a brother like that and and he's he's been banged up there's trust issues there they're they're rushing him to get back on the field because the redskins offensive line isn't the same without him and, and they're not really 
taking precautionary measures with how he's dealing with his health issues. And, and right now it's just, it's just a, a, a debacle right now with, with Trent Williams and the medical staff right there. You're hearing notions that now with the coaching staff and the offensive line coach, they're not getting along. And so it, it, it's, it, it's interesting. And it wouldn't shock me if Trent Williams would be at either a deadline guy or, or maybe you know, traded sometime this season or at the end of the season. Cause I, I think that just, you know, I, I think the Redskins right now is, is a bit toxic to him. And it really reminds me of what Kawhi had to deal with in his last couple of days in San Antonio. Yeah, I, 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 you're absolutely right. I think, I think uh, the relationship between the two might be fractured. I think, you know, Trent Williams has had spent his entire career here. It's been a long time. And, you know, uh, all he knows is the Washington Redskins. And, you know, when, when he, when he comes across a situation like this, he's, He's one of those loyal guys that's all about loyalty, and when he really, when he feels like that that trust and that bond has been broken, you know he's one of those guys that will will, will turn the other way and and try to find a, a find a new home. But I, I absolutely agree. I think the relationship is fractured. I think it's about it's about time to move on. If if that's the case, if that's the situation of how it's going, who knows? Maybe it's a possibility that they can have a conversation and patch things up, um, and and, and and make things right. But as of right now, it doesn't look good and. You know, the, and the Redskins offensive line is suffering in camp because of it. Right, right. Two other guys um, who love the media and love the, the spotlight, of course, uh, made news um, as well. We're talking about Antonio Brown coming in training camp in a hot air balloon. I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, he, he took took a hot air balloon from Napa Valley and then took it all the way to Oakland. I, I thought that was uh, pretty unique. And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey. Um, arguably, if not maybe the best defensive back in the NFL, you know, coming into Jacksonville and Duval in an army truck yeah. with bags of money telling Tom Coughlin and the entire Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, ownership saying, hey, I've been elite since coming in the NFL. I need my money. Your thoughts about that? I, I thought that that was pretty ironic there. there was I, thought it was, I thought it was creative. You know, when I saw the armor truck, at first, when I saw the armor truck and I saw the antics, I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's this guy. He's doing too much. He's he's, he's doing extra." Yeah. But I saw, but when he opened the truck and I saw all those bags of money, it was creative. It made sense. He's basically telling them, "Look, I, I want to get paid, and I don't want to just get paid. I want to get paid nice. I want to get paid like the like 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 the top cornerback that I am and that I've been over the last three four years." So you know, he's he's coming into a contract season. Uh, I know he's gonna he's gonna show out and do his thing because he's motivated, he's hungry, and this Jacksonville defense, the total package that they have, will continue to put him in positions to do so and make plays. Tom Coughlin will make things happen for this team, and I, I fully expect Jalen Ramsey to do his thing. It yeah, pretty, you know, Mike, I I, I I I want to disagree with you here, man, and I love Jalen Ramsey. I, I think the brothers elite. You know, himself, Patrick Peterson, flip a coin. I mean, these guys are all elite and rightfully in their own. Yeah. But I, I think the message that he just sent to, to Tom Coughlin, I don't know. We we know Tom Coughlin from his days in, in, in New York. You know, he's he's all business, no nonsense. And, and, and character guys like that, I don't think he, he wants that type of, you know, uh, energy in that locker room. Guys that are saying, hey, I'm above the team. You know, oh, that's basically taking a shot at the, the Jacksonville Jaguars saying, hey, I'm above the team. I'm the best player on the team, arguably, and, 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 and I deserve to get paid. And it wouldn't shock me to see Ramsey not get his money and, and be elsewhere. Uh, what do you think about that? 
I, I, I don't, I don't think now. I could be wrong, but I don't think his message was his message with coming out with the truck and the money was the was that he's better than anybody over the team. I don't, I don't, I don't think that was his perception. I don't think that that was what he was trying to get off. I think he was basically trying to say, look, I know my worth, and I understand, and I know, um, I, I know where I'm, where I'm coming from. And I feel like he, he he understands the moment. He understands that right now is the best chance to get the most money possible that he's ever going to get playing in the NFL. And he wants to capitalize on that opportunity. I don't think it was necessarily a shot per se because if it was really a, 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 a situation where he felt like he was above the team or he felt like, you know, he he needs to get his contract now and that needs to be the Jacksonville Jaguars' number one priority, he probably would be holding out right now. You know, holding out, trying to get that, get that money. But he mm, that he that's a good thought, right? He, under, he understands that the Jacksonville Jaguars are in the middle of, you know, a couple other players they need to take care of first. You know, J- Jalen Ramsey is on a five-year contract, which means he he was a first-round pick. He could play through twenty twenty. You know, what right, I mean, right. Yannick and Gakwe was was you know, was was a lower a lower drafted pick, which means this is his last year on his contract. Which means he's he's more of a priority right now than than Jalen Ramsey. And I think he yeah. understands that he wants. He, him and Yannick are, are real cool on the team. You know, they, they have respect for each other. He knows that Yannick is trying to get paid, and, and Jalen Ramsey knows his time is coming. Right, definitely there. They did pick up that fifth-year option on Jalen Ramsey, yep. uh, of course, and he didn't hold out. Maybe what Michael Gray's preaching is, is probably, probably rightfully so under the minds of Ramsey himself from Jacksonville and Oakland. We, we go right now with Antonio Brown with his antics as well. We know that the Raiders, they can't, they just can't, you know, move away from the spotlight. You've got HBO, you've got hard knocks, you know what I'm saying? You've got Antonio Brown, maybe one of the biggest paparazzis ever. I call him a male cheerleader, you know? <laughs> so uh, Antonio Brown, I, I, one of the best in the game, if not historically comes in a hot air balloons. And I thought that was pretty ironic as well. Uh, Mike Mayock and John Gruden, what what type of message is he sending for a team that, you know, that finished 4-12 and last season who have got some talent now, obviously, obviously having Antonio Brown and some other key pieces. They got Derek Carr back from his uh, nasty injury that he had suffered a couple years ago. He's on the hot, hot seat as well this season. Uh, what do you make of the Raiders and Antonio Brown? I think for, for the message that he's sending, Mike Mayock and John Gruden is the same message that we all we all know. This is who he is. You know the the Oakland Raiders, Mayock, Mike Mayock and John John Gruden knew exactly who they picked up when they when they when they decided to sign Antonio Brown. They knew they knew what it was. They took a chance on Antonio Brown because he's Antonio Brown. He's one of the elite receivers in the game. They they knew what type of player he was. They saw all the antics and all the you know the, what, what the critics were saying about him when he was in Pittsburgh. You know they, they were they were fully aware of all that. They, they they swept that under the rug and decided to sign him anyway. So Antonio Brown isn't doing anything but showing the Oakland Raiders exactly who he is. You know he's a creative guy. He's a guy that likes to have fun with his job, and he he might he might do some things that are over the top to to other people. But to him, it's all in fun and, and love for the game. You know, so but as far as Mike Mayock and John Gruden, this is exactly they, this is what they signed up for when they signed him long term. They took a chance because of his great play and how elite of a wide receiver he is, and 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 this is exactly what it is. This is what they have to deal with. Definitely, there. One thing's for sure because I follow Antonio Brown myself on social media, on the field, or or when it comes down to business and and practice, he is by far one of the most hardworking men I've I've ever come across and and watch because every time it's it's either in the gym working or doing some some of his crazy exercises with James Harrison, uh, the great James Harrison from the Pittsburgh Steelers and and 
and just, you know, unbelievable work ethic. That's one thing you can't say about Antonio Brown. From Oakland, we got to go to Jerry World, the uh, casino in Big D in Dallas, where now all of a sudden, Mike, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have a, have a problem, and it's going to be a salary cap problem. You got to pay, of course, Zeke Elliott. You know, obviously, he, he deserves his money, rightfully so. Yeah. Dak Prescott's contract is coming up. Amari Cooper's coming up. Yep. And then in a couple years, you got Jalen Smith and Byron Jones. So if you're Jerry Jones, if you're Steven Jones, who now has the power and given away from Jerry, what do you do? You got a lot of things. Maybe, maybe, and just maybe the window of championship is right now for Dallas. They got to pay some people, don't you think? Oh, they absolutely have to pay some people. And I understand what Ezekiel Elliott is doing. He understands that the market for running backs getting their money is very slim. You know, the NFL running back career is shorter than uh, the majority of other positions because of, you know, the, the wear and tear on their body and how, how long how long they are they're able to sustain that. It takes a special running back to be able to sustain a long career because, you know, all the wear and tear that they have to go through. So he understands that the time to get his money is right now. And he doesn't want to wait for them to, oh, take care of Dak Prescott first. Take care of Amari Cooper. Worry about Jalen Smith and, and Vander Esch and those other young guys that they have to take care of. He wants to get his money right now. He knows his worth. He knows that for for three seasons, well, two and a half for real, but really three seasons, he's been uh, c- consistent uh, as one of the best running backs in the game. Um, he he knows he knows what he brings to the table, and he's trying to maximize his value asap as soon as possible. And he, he this holdout right here is is living proof of it. And you know. Uh, all offseason, we've heard about what well, is Dak going to get paid? Is Dak going to get paid this? He's going to get paid, you know, uh, uh, top quarterback money or located what the case may be. Ezekiel Elliott is hearing all that and saying, well, what about me? You know, well, I, I, I led the league in rushing two out of the, my two out of the three seasons that I played in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think that I think that he, he understands the moment. He knows that the Cowboys need to make a decision. And it's going to be interesting. I think, Jerry, you're right. You're absolutely right. Jerry Jones is caught up in a, in a dicey situation because on one hand, he wants to pay his quarterback. And on the other hand, he, he knows that his running back is just as valuable, if not more valuable. You know, so I, 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 it's a dicey situation. And then, right, you got the, the, the Jalen Smiths and then the, the Vander Eschers that are coming up. And Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper, of course, who's somebody, somebody they need to keep because Amari Cooper actually elevates Dak's game. And you created know, a yeah. first round pick for him. You gotta pay him. You know what I mean? You you have to pay him. You he ele- he really elevates like Dak's numbers and his confidence grew tremendously when Amari Cooper came in. You know, it took him a second to get adjusted to the system, but once he got a feel for it, he took off and he started making big time plays. And him and Dak started to build a, build a a great rapport with with each other. And you know, they he's really in a dicey situation. Who gets paid max dollars? Who gets paid? Um, you know, a, l- a little bit less. He has a dicey decision to make, and I'm, I'm interested to see how it all plays out. Their window is right now, as you say, because I feel like they are championship contenders right now. So their window is right now, but we have to we have to see uh, for the future because it's all going to depend on who who Jerry Jones decides decides to sign that dollar to. One game that stood out to me last year, it was a game where Dak Prescott and made a fourth quarter comeback and had three touchdowns to Amari Cooper. So that that combination really burst onto the scene uh they won that game in overtime for sure so of course the the dallas cowboys have a big big decision to make you're jerry jones mike who do you pay first i'm hearing speculations Dak. they they, they'll pay Dak first and then you know that with all of the antics and the character issues off the field that zeke has they'll make him wait because you know one can argue 
if Zeke gets his money, he might continue to act up. So if you're Jerry Jones here. Who do you pay first? It's tough, man. I want to say Dak Prescott. So see the thing with Dak Prescott, I want. He, he, I, would, I would. The thing with Dak Prescott, I think he's the franchise guy. He's he's the one that presents himself and walks himself like the the franchise player that he is. Right. Well, it, it, but actually, it's Ezekiel Elliott that's right. actually the franchise player. But it, the roles are reversed. So. The roles are reversed because Dak Prescott, you know, he has the the the, the calm, you know, demeanor. He's a and he's a leader. He's a nice. He's a very good leader. Like the, the, his teammates respect him, and right. you know he, he 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 has been durable. He hasn't gotten hurt in his, in his three years right. that he's played. You know right. he, he's he's done his thing. But the the thing that elevated Zach was having a Ezekiel Elliott, having an Amari Cooper. I think if you pay Dak without paying Zeke, that that could be a dicey situation. Uh, that could be a problem in and of its own, and. Ezekiel Elliott is the is what makes is what helps Dak continue to be a great quarterback that he is because that play action is is going to continue to 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 do well and you know as long as Ezekiel Elliott is on a, is on a, uh, the 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 football field the the Cowboys are, are going through Zeke they don't go right. through Dak they go through Zeke they start off with the run game they try to hit you with that and then once they got you full with the run that's when they set up Dak it's not like Dak sets up Zeke you know what I'm saying so it's it's a dicey situation because. You always want to take care of the franchise quarterback and the, the quarterback who's basically the leader of your team. But right. in this situation, Ezekiel Elliott is the glue to this offense that gets them going. So it's very dicey. I, I'm very interested. I, I really don't. I really don't know who I would pay right right now. I mean, I probably would take care of Zeke first. You know, the off the off the field antics don't bother me because you know, I is is his play on the field. Just overshadows all of that, you know, because he's that valuable to this team, and I feel like he will mature over the years as time will come. But I would definitely give it. I I, I probably would give it to Zeke, but I can see why anybody would say Dak because that's the quarterback. Definitely, there we all know it is a quarterback's league, so yeah, Dak Prescott very valuable for the star in Big D for sure. And lastly, here we've got Cameron Durrell Newton. Uh, when people know he's probably one of my favorite players to watch, I mean, I, I love me some Cam Newton, man. I mean, obviously being a Gators fan, when we had Tim Tebow and Cam Newton, and we had Urban Meyer. <laughs> you want to yeah. talk about a trifecta? I mean, they were the great glory days of the Florida Gators um, back in the 2006 to 2008 uh, seasons there. And then, of course, you know, Tim Tebow is 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 the face of college football. You get Cam Newton to transfer to Auburn. He ends up what Gator fans wanted to him to end up because he wanted to be a starter. He goes with Dustin Malzahn, wins a national title and a Heisman Trophy. Absolutely, you know, annihilates Nick Saban's squad. And then when he's coming to the NFL, all he's done is number one overall pick, gotten to the playoffs, gotten to a Super Bowl appearance, and an NFL. MVP. So Cameron Durrell is 6'5", 250, and just a gun slingers of an arm. And then you know what he could do with his legs because right. he's so big. So a, a huge fan of Cameron Durrell Newton. But this year, you know, it's it's different. You he's got he's got he's in his second season right now. You know, you know what I'm saying? He's he's in his second season right now with, with a new offensive coordinator. Um, and North Turner, and what North Turner likes is that West Coast offense. He likes to get the ball out quick. And so last couple seasons, we're asking ourselves, is Cam Newton ever 
gonna shine like the Cam that he is. You know, he, a lovable. You know, always likes to dance. The the end zone touchdowns, the celebrations. He, he likes to have fun. Well, the last three seasons we've seen passing ratings and uh, completion percentages and touchdowns to interception ratio has not been the same. And so we're asking ourselves, is Cam Newton ever going to revert himself? Uh, it, this is a big season for him in training camp. You got guys like DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, who may end up being a, a, a all pro this season if he continues what he's doing and, 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 and others and stuff like that. So Cam Newton definitely on the hot seat, but also we're asking ourselves, is he ever going to revert to that MVP form that he once had, Mike? Uh, I think I think it's a positive. I think he definitely can. I think he definitely can because he's that elite of a player. You got to realize that, that one of the biggest keys to that that, that year when, that he won MVP was the, the pieces that were around him also, but what, what he was able to deliver. I mean, everything would just flow nice for him. You know, the the defense was one of the top defenses in the league. The yeah. offensive weapon, they didn't have, you know, the big-name weapons. You know, they didn't have, like, you know, the, the top receivers in the game. But, but they, they have had, productive guys. Yeah, they have, again. Right. You they know, have productive guys that made, right. made things happen, you know, and, and things of that sort. So, I I think he absolutely can. I think I think what Cam Newton needs to do is to continue to to build to build off him, build off himself, and grow with his accuracy. If he can do that, along with it, because we know what he can do with his legs. They, that's something. That's a problem he's never had with him when it comes to playing football is is his ability to break out when things go wrong. I think I think if they continue to win and the team looks good along with his performance, I think he could definitely win the MVP because one of the one of the biggest keys to him winning MVP the first time was that his team was one of the top teams in the league. They went 15-1, and one, I believe. Yeah, and, they did. Right. And went all the way to the Super Bowl because they were that lethal of a team. You know, I think if they can get creative with the play calling and Cam can get familiar, more familiar with this offense and get more comfortable in it, I think he definitely can because his talent speaks for itself. Like you said, he's one of the most intriguing players to watch every single season. Every game, you want to know what Cam Newton's going to do because at any point in given time, he can have a breakout game and – Put up some some monster numbers that we've never seen before, and I, I'm I'm always intrigued to see what Cam Newton does. He's he's one of the more uh, interesting and electric quarterbacks that we have in the game, and I think he can he can have he can have another MVP season. It just depends on the pieces that he has around him and what he's able to capitalize off of in this north this new North Turner offense. Yeah, well, one one thing we know with North Turner, he came out and spoke today in press conference that his goal this season is to have Cam Newton up to the 65-66% completion percentage right. area. Cam, for his career, has been in the 58s. And so that's a big thing. I'm assuming they want to get the ball out quick to Christian McCaffrey, have him in space one-on-one with linebackers, and we know that's that's not and I, something you want to be dealing with. And, and get the guys into playmakers like DJ Moore and also their steady uh, tight end as well in Greg Olson who's been a security blanket for Cam Newton. So those type of players that North Turner wants to get the ball out quick. So it, Cam isn't in those third and longs and uh, under duress and throwing off his back feet. And that's when the turnovers come. So definitely a big year for Cam Newton. But Mike, I have a question to you. you sure. remember, I, I remember last year, the Carolina Panthers started off hot. They did. They started off six and two. Yes. I remember it was a Thursday night game. Yes. It was between them and the five and three. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the time. It was a 30 Thursday night game. A quick turnaround, you know, from Sunday to Thursday. Most players hate that. And uh, they had to go to Heinz Field. 
and they just got the doors blown out of them, 51 to 14. And, uh, you know, it's at that time, it seemed like the Panthers' season went to a downfall. They went from 62 to ending the season 79 or 8 and 8. I can't remember. So, uh, I, I, what happened? That was an uh, enormous letdown. It was. Sometimes it takes a game or so like that to really mess up your mess up your vibe and the flow that you're on. Because you got to realize that team at that 6-2 and two was one of the hottest teams in the league at the time, and Cam Newton was playing like an MVP candidate. He was yeah. balling. He was absolutely making plays. He was winning games for that team, and, and they were looking good. They lost that game in Hinesville 52-21, to 21, and the defense looked absolutely horrendous. The Steelers did absolutely anything they wanted to at any given time, and there was no resistance at all. You know, Cam Newton threw a couple of uh, interceptions. One of them, one of them all, was man. a pick six. One of them was a pick six at the time as well. And you're right. I think some sometimes when you go through losses like that, uh, two things. Not only can it can it like mess up your confidence uh, as a team, but on film when teams start because you know teams study each other. When teams start to watch film on something, they I think opponents may have found something in that film that exposed the Panthers. That exposed and maybe and maybe they hit a, a point in their schedule where they were playing some easier teams or some teams that weren't as a uh, top tier early in the season to where they, they were looking good at that six and two record. And then once they got to the latter part of the season, they started to play in the tougher competition in the NFL. And that's when they started to to uh, to derail a little bit here because from what I remember, the Carolina Panthers weren't getting blown out in many games. They were right. super competitive for most of the season. It's just they couldn't close out. And then once Cam Newton got hurt. I mean, it was pretty much a wrap after that point. So I think yeah. it was a combination of injuries, a combination of uh, maybe the team wasn't as good as we thought they were, and, and 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 maybe that season could have humbled them, and they'll come back even stronger this season. Definitely, they're a dark horse team to really. Hello. Here for Cam Newton and the Panthers offense, losing Thomas Davis and uh, to the Chargers and a couple more pieces, but a healthy Cookley, a healthy Cameron Durrell Newton, and and some other weapons that he has. Curtis Samuel in his second year from Ohio State should make the Carolina Panthers an intriguing team to look out for this upcoming season and all of the NFL as well. But one thing we know for sure. That myself and Michael Gray, all of the news on the training camp as we count down to the NFL season and college football will all be here coming up soon. Quick reminders here, folks. Tomorrow, that's right, tomorrow here in Central Florida, I will be here. Fortunately, Mike won't be here with us, but we'll be live. At Exploria Stadium, where we get to see the MLL, MLS All-Star Game. Some of the brightest stars in the world 
Wayne Rooney, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Carlos Vela, and others will be live at that historic venue for the MLS All-Star Game, some meet and greets, a couple of interviews, and much, much more. We will be live there, all part of our community outreach and one of the biggest events that's ever to happen here in the Central Florida area, the MLS All-Star Game tomorrow night. I will be there live and some of my cast to get catch up on all the action. For myself and Michael Gray, we're saying so long for now inside the studios at WNSC. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.